Hello everyone and welcome to season four of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all very much for taking the time to download the show today. Wherever you are right now listening to my voice, I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now a massive show for you today as always, but before we get to our special guest, I just wanted to remind everyone out there that if you're a swimming coach or just a massive fan of sport in general, you won't want to miss an episode of the brand new Shannon Rollison podcast. Yes, one of the sharpest minds in our sport has his own podcast where each week he tackles a different topic and shares some stories Uh, of a golden era in our sports history from 2004 Athens Olympics to Jody Henry to his time in Denmark. And we even have special guests joining in on the fun, including former Australian swimming head coach, Mr. Alan Thompson. This is really a a unique podcast and one of my favorite times of the week. So do yourself a favor, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe to the Shannon Rollison Podcast so you don't miss some of the amazing stories from one of the best in the business. And speaking of best in the business, we are now just two shows away from the season four finale coming your way next week. And it will be the 2021 Off The Block Swimming Awards show hosted, of course, by myself, but with special guest presenters, expert analyst Bobby Hurley, star of the Shannon Rollison podcast, Mr. Shannon Rollison himself, and also stars of the OTB crew podcast, Lani Pallister, Lachlan Carter, and Josh Edward-Smith will be on hand to help me celebrate what has been an amazing year in swimming, not just in here in Australia, but also internationally with the Olympics, the ISL, they will be here to help me announce the awards that were voted on by you guys, the listeners, on in the Instagram polls just the other day. We had over 700 people voting, which absolutely blew my mind. So I cannot thank you all enough for helping be a part of the podcast. And uh, for all the people out there, I can't wait to bring it to you the 22nd of October for our season four finale. Now that's it. That's enough promoting for one day. Let's crack on with the podcast. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second inning. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noot's hand. But the finisher of all eyes is the great Madam Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats, Phelps in the black hats, and Phelps is Phillips. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to Thorpe, Thorpe to Hall, Thorpe goes in. Australia win. Joining me today on the show from Budapest is an absolute superstar of our sport. Just two and a bit months ago, she became the most decorated Australian athlete of all time from an Olympic Games when she absolutely stole the show in Tokyo, bringing home seven medals in total. And of course, four of those were gold. She's currently in Budapest, as I said, competing in the FINA World Cup Series. Absolutely killing it over there as well, in case anyone hasn't noticed on Instagram. And she'll be gearing up soon for the playoffs in a month's time of the ISL for her team, the London Roar. It's a massive welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast to the most successful female athlete from an Olympic Games, Miss Emma McKeon. Emma, how are you, mate? Good, thank you. How are you? Mate, I'm brilliant. Now, listen, I, I don't know if anyone, I'm, obviously I'm going to put this up on Instagram for people to see, but if people don't get to see it, 
Where are you currently? <laughs> well, I'm actually in Malta. Um, I was in Budapest yesterday, but came over to Malta um, yesterday afternoon. And now I'm on a boat going over to an island. I didn't expect it to be this rocky <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> oh, man, that's brilliant. This is the first time I, I've ever, you know, for everybody who doesn't know, obviously, um, I just sit on Zoom waiting for the guest to arrive and Emma popped up. So I click and I never quite know what I'm going to see, but I can assure you I didn't expect to see Emma McKeon sitting on a boat, that's for sure. So that was brilliant. Gave me a good laugh. Now, obviously, we, we mentioned uh, the racing meet at the moment. You're absolutely killing it over there. Raced in Budapest on the weekend, as I said. I think I saw you went 50.5 uh, and got a, a cup record in the 53. You must be enjoying yourself. Yeah, my swimming's been going pretty well. Um, I think I'm kind of just riding off the hard work that I was doing leading into the Olympics and um, I kind of surprised myself. Um, but I guess with short course swimming, like I haven't done that in quite a while, so I probably didn't know where I'd be at anyway. Uh, absolutely. And, and, yeah, after such a huge Games, as you said, uh, a few months ago, you know, how nice – for you to be able to be competing overseas at the moment. I mean, yes, it's racing, it's business. So I'm not saying for a second people are taking it lightly, but at the same time, look at you, you're on a boat, you're over in Malta, you're getting to sort of unwind a little bit and enjoy yourself. You certainly do look happy. I can assure you for all the listeners out there that can't see, Emma looks very uh, in, you know, happy to, to be where she's at. How important was it, you know, if we were going to be racing again so quickly after the Olympics that it was in this sort of setting where you can be a little bit more relaxed? Yeah, well, I could either have taken like several months off and been at home, um, which I went back to Wollongong for a little bit after quarantine and uh, I was with my family, but we were in lockdown. So I could have stayed in Wollongong and been in lockdown for a while or I could have come over here and even though it is working and um, racing and all of that kind of stuff, it has given me the opportunity to, for instance, do stuff like this. Like I'm on a, a week holiday now um with jenna and kind of just yeah enjoying ourselves while still being over here for our jobs fantastic mate well i think any of the listeners uh would agree with me mate anyway you've absolutely earned uh all of your time over there enjoying yourself so don't for a second feel sorry for uh, for anyone at home um now obviously before we get stuck into our chat as a new south wales coach I just wanted to put out a massive thank you to you. You put a post on um, social media, uh, you know, about all swim schools needing to open up sooner. I know your family obviously have McKeon Swim School uh, as well, which thousands of, of kids, you know, usually by this time of the year would be in uh, going up and down the pool. Good news is obviously pools have opened this week, indoor pools as well. So I wanted to put out a massive thank you to you for that. And how important was it that that did happen so that we could get swimmers back in the pool and learning how to swim yeah well it's been such a long time because i think it was even not long after our olympic trials which when i think back to that that was just so long ago that's when it kind of all everything all shut down and kids haven't been been able to be in the water at all since then which is such a long time especially i mean before we know it it's going to be summer again and kids need to be in the water and learning those skills and stuff so it was definitely very important for pools to open up again and like you know kids go it's not just like normal sport it's like actually a life skill that the kids need so it's valuable 
May I couldn't agree more. That was one of my gripes with it. You know, at times we were getting lumped in with, oh, you know, soccer will be back soon. I mean, it's not like kicking a ball, you know. This is genuinely yeah. a life-saving skill, so I couldn't agree with you more. Now, obviously, season three of the ISL this year and the regular rounds are over. They're done with. The London Raw finished third. Very strong performance. Playoffs are a month away. Uh, are you excited to get back in the raw colours come playoffs time? Um, you know, get some more racing under your belt. Clearly, you're killing it. So if I was a, a, a raw uh, member, obviously, I'd be excited to be getting Emma McKee and come back play playoffs time because you're swimming very fast. Um, yeah, I'm always excited to be part of that team. Um, I remember back to 2019, that was the first year that I did it. And it was so much fun um, and it gave me a lot of, confidence in my racing, um, got to learn off athletes from over the world because obviously you're on, on teams with people from different countries and just seeing how they do it all and um, I don't know, it's just a really fun team to be a part of um, and obviously being able to travel at the same time and um, I'm good friends with Marie Waddle, she's a butterfly and a freestyler so getting to see her and um, yeah, it's just, it makes swimming a lot of fun because I think but, I mean, I've been doing it for quite a while now and it's kind of like I love it and I love racing and stuff, but it's been good to be able to just do something really different. Um, yeah. And it's probably similar to what the Americans do, like with their college swimming and it's like scoring points and feels more teamy rather than individual. Yeah, I was, I was going to mention, I was talking to Kyle Chalmers just a couple of weeks ago and he, he mentioned the exact same thing, that it's that team environment that he, he really thrives on and enjoys the most. What do you enjoy the most about the ISL racing and concept? Um, I would say a similar thing um, because I think you're always kind of diving in and like when it's an individual event, you're racing kind of, like it's you on your own kind of thing. You're trying to get a time or get a medal or something like that. But at ISL, you're just literally trying to get the points. It doesn't matter what time you're doing. You're just trying to get your hand on the wall first so that you can get points for your team. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the most enjoyable part of it. Mate, what's the water like Everyone's out there? The Is it a bit choppy because cheering. this this boat is looking a bit rocky? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't know if you can see out there, but. It's pretty chalky at the moment. <laughs> um, mate, listen, obviously there's a lot of talk around with the ISL, with jackpots and uh, and skins events and all this sort of stuff. And uh, everybody, including myself, and I've got Bobby Hurley on the podcast quite a bit with, you know, we cover the ISL and we're always tinkering with things and, you know, putting our own two cents in and what we'd like to see. If I gave you the boss's hat for a day, is there anything you'd like to see changed or implemented with the rules? Um. I don't know. Well, I think before I got over there, I actually didn't understand the whole jackpotting thing and I probably I don't really look into it too much personally because I'm just trying to, I mean, I don't want to get jackpotted. I'm just trying to win my races. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I don't really pay attention too much to it. It's kind of more just like when you do the relays and like I think we've come second in some of the relays and then we might score seven points and the winning team scored 50-something points and then they go way ahead on the point score. Um, so, I mean, I'm not really paying attention to the rules around it, but I'm just like, shit, I've just, like, gone ahead so much just from that one relay. Um, but I don't know. I think I haven't really spoken to many people who are just watching ISL, but hopefully it makes for interesting TV for them. 
Yeah, oh, it definitely does. We get to see it over here on KO, um, you know, and as I said, Bobby and I have been keeping a close eye on it. We've been enjoying it. I myself, and this isn't just because you're on here, I'm a London Raw fan myself. Energy Standard were champions season one, Cali Condors season two. Mate, can we see the London Raw hold up the trophy in season three? Um, I think so. I mean, we might not have the fastest swimmers like um, like Energy have or um, even Cali, but um, I think we are definitely a team that all get behind each other and once we get in the pool, like, we're pretty um, – we're very competitive. Um, and I think that was the same in, like, when I was in the first season in Vegas, we might not have had overall as good a team as Energy, but we definitely – got in there and fought for it really hard and ended up being very close. So I think that, I mean, everyone's going to obviously get in there and give it their best, but I think we'll be able to give it a good run, I think. Yeah, well, mate, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it for all the listeners who, who you know, obviously Emma McKeon fans, get around the ISL, um, pick a team. Obviously, London Raw is a good team to get into, but, uh, you know, KO Sports, uh, and it's back in the middle of November for the playoffs, which is almost like a mini series in itself. It's not a couple of playoff games. I think there's about six uh, matches in there, and then we'll go on to the finals in January. Now, mate, let's get on to your incredible Olympic Games, and in particular, I'm interested in in the lead up to the games. W- were you feeling in the weeks and months, sort of leading up to say even just trials and then the games, you you were on track to produce, you know, your absolute best? Were you building confidence within yourself in training? Yeah, well, I knew even leading into if the Olympics were going to be in 2020, I knew that I was in the best shape that I'd ever been in. Um, so I knew that it was just, I was just had another year of being able to prepare even more. Um, and I was just doing things in training that I hadn't done before. And Bowley was definitely very um, confident in what I was doing. And obviously I had, I've got complete trust in him and I knew that, you know, I had the best coach Um that I, that I could have. So I think we, we're definitely a good team. We are definitely a good team. And, like, yeah, I think, I mean, he puts in so much hard work and he believed in me. And so, yeah, I was definitely very confident in what I could do. And I thought that, especially when I was over there, I think that all I had to do was just keep believing in myself and I knew that I would be able to win if I put it all together. Oh, mate, absolutely. And we'll get to Bowley in a minute because, you know, he's one of my absolute idols as a coach myself. You know, you mentioned there, you know, you were doing certain things. What were these certain things in training? I mean, what were certain sets or sessions in particular that you were doing that you'd pull out something that maybe you, you hadn't done for a while or you hadn't done before and, you know, you grew, you grew strength from that? You know, obviously maybe there might have been a session you were absolutely legless when you finished, you felt smashed, but you got out going, well, goddamn, you know, if I can do that sort of time after that session, I'm on, I'm on the right track. Um. Yeah, I'd say, well, my gym work definitely took off a lot in the last probably two years and I was definitely applying myself a lot in that area. And every time I go into the gym, like I'm just always trying to do better than the last session. So I think that was a big thing for me was just getting a lot more strength um, physically and that definitely helped my sprinting in the 100 and um, obviously the 50 as well. Um, But in the pool, I think every session I just had a focus like I wasn't just going in and mindlessly swimming and just doing whatever Bolly was putting up on the board it was I actually had a specific focus every single session 
whether it was my skills or something I wanted to fix with my stroke or um, literally anything. And I was just, yeah, very driven and very focused. And I think also every session I was, like I'd get out of the pool knowing I'd give them my all. Mm. And that was something early on that I wanted to get to the Olympics and know that I'd done everything and I wanted to stand behind the blocks knowing I'd done everything that I could have done which yeah. is what I ended up doing yeah. oh absolutely um you know obviously we, and we'll get to uh the mental sort of side of it in in just a second but I just want to go back to something you touched on in terms of the gym you know what were you doing specifically in the gym differently to what you'd done before do you you know do you credit that uh, a lot in terms of how you increased your speed because goddamn you, you were fast I mean I think if we look back in in the past of Emma McKee and I don't know if we would have said 50 freestyle yeah she'll win an Olympic gold medal in that not that I wouldn't say you'd be in the final but to, to confidently say you're going to be an Olympic gold medalist for 50 free uh you know four or five years ago would have been um, you know, hard to confidently say, but obviously you've put in the work in the gym, you've built your your muscles, you've built your speed. Do you credit that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I was doing three gym a week and kind of just uh, even um, over lockdown and stuff when the Olympics were postponed and stuff, I never stopped doing gym. I was at home just keeping on top of all of that because I knew that I'd put so much into that over the last few years. Um, that I didn't want to lose that. And I think I'm also probably the type of body shape that loses muscle quite quickly. So I didn't want to lose that work that I'd put in. Um, but, yeah, I definitely say that that helped my sprinting um, because I think for most of my career I've kind of focused on the 200 um, with my training and stuff, but I was just probably lacking that physical strength. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say that's probably what got me a, a lot more speed, I'd say. Yeah, a lot more speed. That's for sure. This is a question for my uh, for my own swimmers who love getting in the gym, especially the girls. What What are you squatting? What What's your PBs on the squat rack? Um, I don't actually do squats because okay. uh, I kind of get like a bit of a back kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What about uh, bench? Yeah. My exercises kind of change. Bench press. Um, I think maybe. I can't even remember anymore. Maybe 50 was my best. Yeah. I don't really know. But, like, that's something that I would do. Like, I would write down, like, I have a program, three mm -hmm. different programs throughout the week, and they're changing all the time, but I would always write down what I've done the week before so that I know where I'm at uh, and I'm not just kind of mindlessly going through it as well. All right, well, let me ask this but question. Now, yeah. I mean, I can't even tell you what I've bench pressed. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've been enjoying yourself for so long. Let me ask you this question then. What, what do you uh, enjoy most in the gym? What's your favourite sort of uh, piece of equipment to get on? Favourite? Mm, I think probably the chin-ups. I mean, I don't, like, love doing them or anything, but I think that they they help me a lot and they definitely that's something that I probably measure my strength off consistently, I'd say. Yeah, nice. Now, I mentioned, obviously, this is the physical aspect of what we're doing, but at the Games, you know, you credit Eboli with helping you, you know, achieve your amazing results. And in particular, you credit him, with, you know, sort of with that mindset shift. 
What specifically did you guys work on hard behind the scenes in training, maybe in domestic competition to give you that confidence to dominate on a big stage? And I mean, you're, you know, very humble yourself, so you're not going to say, oh, I dominated, but let's be honest, you did. You did. So what, what gave you that confidence? What were you working on hard behind the scenes that we might not have got to see? Um, well, I was working with a sports psychologist, so I'd see her every two to three weeks. Um, so that was a big part of it as well, um, and just building that self-belief and kind of building that, especially once you get to the Olympics, just that unwavering belief. Um, but with Bowley, I think he, obviously I know that he's such an experienced coach and I think he's definitely someone that stays quite relaxed especially in high pressure environments so I think that helped me a lot and he was just always reminding me that I'm going to have such a huge program at Olympics and what I'm doing from week to week is preparing for that um, and e like pretty much every session is hard even our recovery ones like we're doing hard stuff in that um, or even I mean we Friday morning is usually quite easy but then we go into the gym and doing a hard gym session straight off the back of that so I've got something hard pretty much every time I'm turning up to the pool um, and that's what my week at Olympics was going to be like, is racing every session and doing something hard. So, um, yeah, I think physically definitely obviously prepared me very well um, and then mentally it's just probably just staying calm, staying, keeping everything in perspective and um, when I'd have like little shoulder niggles and stuff because my shoulder's been pretty on and off and back stuff as well um and then I'd get stressed out thinking oh I'm missing work or things like that and he was able to kind of bring me back and uh, you know he would always say one, if one door closes another one opens so then I'd be doing a really hard kick session and working my legs really hard and yeah yeah, nice. I like that. Definitely just shifts the focus and keeps you still looking forward. You're just sort of redirecting um, master coaching and that's why he's one of the best. Now, following trials, mate, uh, the decision was made not to compete in the 200 freestyle in Tokyo, uh, which in hindsight, you know, was a, a great call given the massive program you already had and the success you'd go on to have. How far out, sorry, was that call made and, and who was involved in that process? Um, well, it was made literally after trials. Um, obviously, I was going to do everything at trials and see how I went in everything um, and where I was at across um, compared to the rest of the world as well. Um, but actually, it was a hard decision to make, actually, because it was like the 200 something that I've done my whole career and something that I'd focused on for so long and trained for for so long. And even now, I've still got a lot of, belief in my ability in the 200 as well um but it, I obviously couldn't do everything and I think you know I would rather do really well in one thing or a couple of things than kind of average across a lot so taking the 200 out was going to be 600 meters less of racing before I even started the 103 heats um so I think it, obviously it was a very smart decision um but yeah it, was yeah. it wasn't an easy decision to make because it, I mean, the 200 is something that's kind of close to my heart as well. Yeah. Well, mate, as you said, absolutely looking in hindsight, it was, 
it was a, the right decision. What I loved about it too, and we'll get to it a little bit later because obviously the you had a phenomenal relay success with the Aussie girls. Is you know this isn't you weren't missing out on a relay team or anything like that. This was an individual uh, event, so this was a lot of sacrifice on your part, which I absolutely uh, really respected. Now, one thing that absolutely amazed me with a lot of the Aussie performances, like yourself, Ariane, Kayla McEwen, was that you guys had such a big program. You know, you had success early in the games in, you know, in the week. And obviously we'll get to it with the girls, you know, breaking the world record in the four by one. So you've, you've reached the high of the highs, uh, you know, pretty much on day one, then you've got to maintain your composure and, and still, you know, keep it all the way through the week. And then we'll get to the four by one and the 50 on, on the end of the day, uh, the end of the week. Sorry. Give us an insight into that process. For you, it's one thing to be doing it in training, and as you said, you're training your mind. But now you're at the big show. How hard was it, you, for you through the week to maintain that focus and drive? Um, I think I've had a lot of practice with that before, um, and it's definitely hard, especially doing so well on day one, and then you've got another eight days of trying to stay focused. But I think leading in. I had the same thing in Rio. Um, so leading in, I knew that I'd kind of been through it before and kind of knew how to manage my emotions. And um, But at the same time, it's also hard because, you know, you've just won an Olympic gold medal and a world record and all of that and you just want to really celebrate and soak it all up and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, and even after my 100 free final in the morning and then I came back that night and had the 50 free heats, like, it is, it's just a roller coaster. And I think by the end of the week, that's probably why it took me a while for everything to sink in as well, because I was just so focused the whole week and just like, awesome, put that aside, go to the next one. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said, that, you know, that was one thing that was evident from, you know, especially, you know, you three girls in particular. Uh, and I know I've spoken to the other two girls on the podcast before, and they mentioned that at the end of the week, they almost sort of collapsed into their coach's arms because it was just such a, an emotional high of a week that by the time they just sort of let themselves relax, everything just sort of gave out. And I was like, oh, everything just sort of fell through. Did you sort of have that yourself at the end of the week? Um, yeah, I think so. And it probably was once I got into quarantine that I kind of felt that and I just slept for a whole week pretty much. Um, was just so emotionally exhausted um but yeah i think just trying to hold yourself together for so long and it's not just the olympic week it's like leading in it's the postponement of it it's so many things and i think with the postponement like i was so focused leading up to that and then it, that was even overwhelming being like oh, now i've got another whole year of that such intense focus so i think it was just such a different whole experience the whole thing compared to any other preparation. Yeah. Now, mate, obviously bronze in the 100 fly in Tokyo at the beginning of the week, just narrowly behind Maggie McNeil and uh, Zhang Yufei. How are you feeling after that race? Because no doubt you did well. I mean, great time, an Olympic medal. I think you were, you know, not far off. It was such a close race. It was actually a really red hot field. All you girls pushed each other right to the limit. You know, this was your first uh, individual final for the week. Um, how did you feel after that one? Um, well, I was really happy because I'd done a PB in an Olympic final and I think to do that, that's like um, pretty impressive. So obviously I was really happy with that. But once I realised that it was 0.13 off winning uh, and I didn't realise it was that close until I kind of got back to my room and had a look at the results, um, that's when I was like, oh, I was so close to, 
just having the gold. So it was kind of like, I don't know, a mixture of emotions really because, yeah, I think I knew I wanted to go there and win and then I was kind of like, oh, I could have had the gold medal kind of, I don't know, just so it kind of took me a bit to adjust to and be kinder to myself about. Um, Mm. And it's also a bit weird because, like, you go through, everyone expects you to just win. Like, you're at the Olympics and, you know, it's damn hard to win a gold medal um, and everyone just expects you to win. And I went through the media section and um, one of the reporters had said to me, oh, so, like, great swim but no cigar. And I was just like, well, it's an Olympic medal, so I think that's a pretty good cigar. (laughs) Like, I think people can be, and I think that, I think people, you got to be careful when you're going through the media because, you know, they're the first people you talk to and um, that can kind of affect how you then think about your race. But looking back on it, I'm proud of what I did. You know, it's an Olympic medal. You're in an Olympic final. I managed to do a PB. Um, and it kind of set me up for the rest of the week as well because I think it made me even more hungry than I already was to just kind of pull off getting it all right in the 100 free. Mm. Well, you know, speaking of the 100 free, and we'll get to it in a second, obviously I mentioned just before the 4 by one freestyle relay, you know, and I have to say you girls obviously smashed it out of the park, gold, world record, uh, the best possible start for, for the games. How special was that moment? for you with with Bronte, Kate and Meg. And then as a side question to this, 51-3 was your split. So you're absolutely flying. How much confidence did you get out of that personally for your individual race later in the week? Um, Yeah, it definitely gave me a lot of confidence. Um, That was obviously the fastest split I'd ever done. Um, And I think it was more my back end that gave me the confidence. I knew that the the, uh, final in the 100 free was going to be won, and Bolly had said this leading in, was going to be won by having a fast back end Mm -hmm. and finishing strong. Um, And so I think I was 26.5 or something on my second 50 um, in the relay, so I knew that I was on, um, and that definitely carried through a lot of confidence into my 100 final. Um, But, yeah, I think starting off the week with those girls, winning like that um it's always special and it's always been me Kate and Bronte in those relays um and so it was really nice with those two as well yeah and what's great to see too and and you'll attest to this yourself with you know these young girls coming through and they're all swimming so fast like it was hotly contested wasn't it to get into that final uh which is great to see from an Australian perspective that you know you've got to be almost finaling now uh on the world stage to even just get into to our relay team so no doubt in the future um you know that looks very secure uh, no matter what is to come in the future for, you know, Kate or, or Bronte or swimmers like that, who no doubt um, have earned a rest at some point in the future when they decide to do it. Now, rightly or wrongly, mate, um, you know, you had, you know, obviously been a phenomenal swimmer in the past uh, and, and done so well. And a lot of people out there had always, you know, spoken really highly of you as a swimmer. But when it all came down to it in those most elite level times when it was gold, silver or bronze, people would, you know, more often than not say, oh, she'll probably get a bronze because for, for whatever reason, that's just how the chips seem to fall for Emma. Fast forward, you know, and then we look at the 100 fly and I don't want to you know, take you back to there and be that that reporter again, but, you know, it's leading into it. Fast forward, obviously, the 100 freestyle, you win gold, 
You beat a red hot field, by the way. It's not you're not beating mugs. That's one of the fastest fields I think I've ever seen in a women's hundred freestyle. You turn around, you look up. Is it relief? Is it excitement? What What's that moment for you when you finally sort of look up and, and your name is in that number one position? I was just proud of myself that I'd actually pulled it off because I think to just piece it all together in such a high-pressure environment when um, it's been such a huge build-up, it's only every usually every four years, um, it was just like, okay, I've just kind of made it happen mm. and... Um, I wouldn't say it's relief or like, obviously I was so happy, um, but it was just like, I just proved it kind of thing. Mate, you let me know if you've got to start moving. What, how, when, how long yeah, does this boat ride go for? <laughs> it's just, it's just finished. <laughs> are we on the phone <laughs> or on an iPad? What are we on? I'm just on my phone. Oh, okay. That's all right. I'm happy to keep talking to you if you're happy to keep talking. Just, I won't use the video. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, mate, what, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'll wait till you get off. You let me know when you're ready. Yeah, I'm off. I can okay. Sweet. Um, mate, so obviously, yeah, we, we've hit the we've hit the wall, gold medal. We talked briefly just before about you and Bowley's sort of plan. What was the race plan going into that final? Are you conscious of the other girls around you, what they're doing, or is it all about you executing your plan to the best of your ability? Um. I would say I'm definitely conscious of them. Like I know that I'm in a, such a fast field, um, but I put a lot of work into before, um, making sure that I was just focusing on what I needed to do. Um, and I think that's probably what kept me so calm as well, was just having my focus points and just knowing exactly what I needed to do. And I think for me it was... I just wanted to get that first 50 out of the way because I knew I was going to have a fast back end and I knew that I was going to be faster than the others coming home because I kind of had been all in the lead up. So it was just like getting that first 50 out of the way so that I could then race. And that's kind of how I kind of um, pictured it in my mind as well. Mm. Now, side note, what's Emma McKeon like in the marshalling area? You're cool, you're calm, you're chatty, do you keep to yourself? Are you listening to music? What, what do you like in the marshalling area? I'm pretty calm, I think. Um, kind of like, I mean, I know all the girls in there, so like I'll chat a little bit, but um, I'd say I'm just pretty calm and just kind of not even really thinking about the race too much. It's just like... Um, thinking about what I'm doing in that exact moment. And then it's when I'm about to walk out that I'm just reminding myself of those little cues that I've set for myself. Um, but I think everyone, I think a lot of people have said to me that I just look like I'm not even nervous behind the blocks, but there's definitely a lot more like, feelings happening. Like I'm definitely nervous. <laughs> <in my races. laughs> and I like, I actually like that nervous feeling. Like I kind of literally picture it as just energy. Mm, absolutely. Well, they always say, don't they, if you're nervous, it just means you really care about what you're about to do. So that's always a good thing, that's for sure. Now, uh, we know that Kate won the bronze in the 100 freestyle at her fourth Olympics, which is an incredible feat. How inspirational has Kate been to you in your career uh, and how good was it having her obviously racing in the final but then up there on the dais when we're hearing the national anthem and she's up there with the bronze medal as well? Yeah, well, I think Kate, especially well worldwide but especially in Australia she's just lifted the standard for everyone and 
she's been right at the top for such a long time. So she, yeah, has just lifted the bar a lot. And I think that's what's gotten, I mean, we've got such a fast field in Australia and that's what has helped all of us kind of come through as well. So, um, but to be in that final with her and um, obviously be racing right next to her and kind of share that moment with her and um, be on the podium, um, it was just, yeah, it was definitely very special. Now, I mentioned before, you know, obviously the 50 freestyle gold medal. Um, for someone who spent so much time training for the 200, you mentioned how close the 200 is to your heart. Did you ever think you'd be an Olympic gold medalist in the 50 freestyle? And how much did you enjoy that race? Because I can tell you from a fan's perspective, that was the first moment I saw you really relax and really look like you were enjoying yourself in those moments. Um, yeah, I think I never really thought I'd be a 50 metre freestyler either. Um, so it was, it, even back then, it's still like a bit of a weird one, two of one. Um, but I mean, I don't really get nervous for a 50 either because it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't really get nervous for it. It's just a sprint event and yeah. um, kind of just go out there and try and get your hand on the wall. Um, but yeah I think that was probably the one that not surprised me but was just like not one that I was really thinking about too much mm. I think Sarah Showstrom uh, famously said in one of her post-race interviews or she might have said it to you I'm not sure this is secondhand I heard this but she you know basically said Emma McKean I thought she was a 200 freestyle swimmer tongue-in-cheek yeah. obviously so even she was like where did that come from now uh <laughs> mate Massive week, um, and to finish up, the massive highlight reel, obviously, was the 4 by one medley relay. Kelsey, uh, Kaylee, Chelsea, yourself and Kate anchored the team home. Everybody remembers how close the finish was and how tight that last changeover was as well. How great was that finish uh, to an already historic week, mate, for yourself? Yeah, well, that's just, like, definitely the way that you want to finish an Olympic Games, um, being on top of the podium and... That's always been an event the Americans have always won as well. Um, so for us to win that, that was definitely very special. And um, it was Chelsea's, well, it's both Kaylee and Chelsea's first Olympics, but um, it was cool to be there with them as well um, and kind of feel that excitement with them, I think. Um, and, yeah, it was kind of, it's hard. It's kind of weird for me to look back on. It's all a bit of a blur, really, because it's such a whirlwind. So. Mm. I probably don't even have the best answers for you. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, and I think even the last few months has just been such a whirlwind. So it's still taken me a lot to process it all and kind of reflect on it all. No, that's all right, mate. It might be that it hasn't been that long away or it might be that you just got off a boat in Malta and people are looking at you like, well, who is she and why is she on that phone talking to somebody yeah. like she's doing an interview? So don't worry, mate. I'll, I'll wrap it up pretty soon for you so you can uh, move on with your day. Now, I, I can't talk to you without obviously mentioning again your, your coach, Michael Bowl. You know, many, including myself, regard him as Australia's top coach and obviously one of the world's best as well. Uh, we've mentioned training we've mentioned sort of you know sports psychology wise but how has he helped you most in your career since you know moving to him um and then now obviously with the success sorry you've had um well I think Bowley's very much a coach that he knows you have to put in the hard work and um 
like even before I'd moved to him and I would see him on pool deck and he'd always be saying things about working hard and being the hardest worker in the pool and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that's definitely something that he's developed in me is being able to just push myself that hard every single day. Um, but I'd say the other part of it is he always believed in my ability. And so him kind of just reinforcing that in me um, probably made me believe in myself more as well because he's such an experienced coach. He's been around swimming for so long and coached so many amazing athletes. So if someone like him has that full belief in my ability, then I'm hindering myself if I don't believe in myself. So, um, yeah. But is there anything we wouldn't know about Bowley? Is he a funny man? Does he have great dad jokes? Is he can he dance? Does he like great music? Is there anything we wouldn't know? Um, I think everyone knows that he's pretty funny, pretty relaxed. Um, anything we wouldn't know? I think maybe just that he goes. He's um good friends with Vince, um, and they just go on like. 10k walks every single day while we're away <laughs> um i don't know if there's anything you wouldn't know he's definitely very funny though and just he's definitely just a good coach a good person to be seeing every day at the mm. pool um kind of brings life to everyone i think he's just he's definitely good with a lot of different personalities a lot of different athletes and just kind of makes things work for them because he knows that everyone's an individual and he knows that different things are going to work for different people even not just the physical side of things but also just how he coaches people so i think that's something that he's definitely very good at yeah mate absolutely and i can attest to him being a good man uh you know just on pool deck at age nationals doing a warm-up having a coffee and he's standing there and you know we've only chatted once before but you know how's your week going you know mate how are your kids going and um, to you know, to have that sort of um, a chat with with someone like Michael Bowl is absolutely uh, tremendous. Um, just going back to something you said about you know so many individuals and so many different athletes with the Griffith team. Obviously, it's starting to grow. Uh, you know, I talk to uh, Lani um, quite a lot. We've got another podcast that I do, and I talk to her quite a lot. And I know that team's growing. Um, you know, how good is it to be involved in that team? Uh, obviously, so many. Um, you know, great athletes there, but obviously experienced athletes as well. MC Bomb, um, Taylor McEwen's in there as well. Do you enjoy being around that team? Um, yeah, it's always good to have such a strong field to be training with every day. Um, and I love being around people who are motivated, people who are working hard and people who have goals that they're just set on achieving. Um, so that's the kind of environment I want to be around every day. And um, yeah, I think that just helps me, that motivates me. And I, it's good having a big squad full of lots of different people. You don't get sick of anyone. Um, yeah. All right, mate. Now, listen, I did mention that we're going to wrap it up soon so you can get on with your day. So I like to finish these chats with a little bit less serious questions. And these are Google questions, mate. So these are what people are Googling about you. So don't shoot the messenger. This is what people are typing in about you looking for answers. So are you ready to go? Okay. Where is Emma McKeon from? Wollongong. Now, this one I know the answer to, but for some reason, obviously, people keep questioning, and I ask Kaylee herself, is Emma McKeon related to Kaylee McEwen? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you get that quite often? Um, uh, a little bit. It's either that or they think I'm Bronte Campbell. 
<laughs> um, I think because they know that I'm a sibling, like because obviously David used to swim, so it's like they know I'm a sibling of another swimmer, so he'll yeah. get a bit confused. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, does Emma McKean have a job outside swimming? Um, no, <laughs> swimming's my full-time job. Well, mate, and what a great job you do of it. So that's okay. I think you can be uh, forgiven. What uh, are Emma McKeon's hobbies? Um, I like going to the beach, reading. Um, I just finished my uni degree. Um, like being outside and going out for coffee and stuff like that. Can Emma McKeon sing? No. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, mate, what is Emma McKeon's coffee order? Um, a latte or a beautiful. cappuccino. Nice, nice. Right, mate, I'm going to let you go because obviously you're over there uh, in a beautiful country and I don't want to keep you from it, listening and talking to my fat head. So, mate, I just want to finish by saying thank you very much for uh, obviously coming on to the show for a chat, but uh, just everything that you and the Australian team did over in Tokyo, uh, you've inspired many, many swimmers. Uh, I think you guys probably don't really understand what you've done, but we will definitely see the rewards of that long into the future uh, with all the young kids that are looking up to you guys and how exciting it is. 2032 in Brisbane, the Olympics there. I think we'll see the fruits of that coming through there as well. But, mate, you've been a legend for coming on for a chat, even though you're on a boat and even though you're over there, uh, still taking the time. So I very much appreciate it. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's good to chat. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. If you're loving the podcast at the moment, then why not be a part of the show and join the OTB crew by purchasing our merchandise, the OTB crew original t-shirt. It's as easy as clicking the link tree in the bio, which will then take you directly to our website to purchase your own piece of the podcast. We deliver all over the world, so no matter where you are, you can still be a part of the crew. We have tank tops, socks, hoodies still to come, but why wait? Jump on Instagram page right now. Follow the link tree to our website to purchase your own OTB crew merch today. And speaking of the OTB crew... I just